Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Earth 2 podcast, your weekly exploration of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. I'm Christine Panton. I'm Steve Higgins. I'm Dan Butcher. I'm Rich Fulham. My name is Mick Pride. I'm Kenny Smith. I'm Jonathan. I'm Vince Hunt. I'm Tony Esmond. I'm Ross Aiken. I'm the Irredeemable Shag. I'm Brandon Peters. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. It's part two of the 1972 Justice League Justice Society stroke, I suppose, Seven Soldiers of Victory crossover. We have all assembled once again. Plenty of standing room. No one can sit down, but we're coping to bring you issue 101 of JLA published on the 18th of July, 1972, 11 days after Ringo Starr's 32nd birthday. For those of you who worry about such things, Peter's going to tell you about the cover. I certainly am. At the top, we have the Justice League of America shield. Partic Thistle colours. Partic Thistle colours, yes. That's the best way to describe it <laughs> for all of our American <laughs> listeners. Uh, yes, at the top left-hand side, we've got the DC logo. And on the top right-hand side, we've got the 20 cents stamp. There you go. Approved by the Comics Code Authority. Thank goodness for that. Down the left-hand side, we have some of the roll call for the Justice League of America. And that is Superman. Batman. Diana Prince, Wonder Woman. Hawkman. Metamorpho. And down the right-hand side, we have the roll call for some of the Justice Society of America. And that is Starman. Doctor Midnight. Golden Age Wonder Woman. Our Man. Sandman. Awesome. I have action figures of quite a few of these people. We're going to have some fun on the socials while the story's going out. Yes. Good show. But the main image on the cover, there is a giant iron hand in space, apparently. Mm. And it is clutching at some of our heroes. Starman's caught between a couple of fingers. Dr. Midnight's hanging out the bottom of the clenched fist. If you pardon the expression. Yes. Batman is literally under the thumb. And Superman's trying to rescue him from that. Earth One Green Lantern's flying in. He's blasting it with his power ring. We have the Sandman climbing up. What he's going to do with his with his gun, I've no idea. He's either going to put the hand to sleep or transform <laughs> it into a block of cement with that new magic gun that oh, he's had could for be, a while. Could yeah. be. Uh, but in the background, we've got the Earth 2 Wonder Woman. She's just drifting away in space, as is Hawkman from Earth 1. Gasp. Have they been incapacitated? Let's read on and find out. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see exactly how Hawkman and Wonder Woman end up drifting through space in this episode. Yes, it's going to be very exciting. Mm. There is a scroll caption at the bottom that says, Can the greatest heroes of two Earths defeat the hand that shook the world? Gosh, well, the only way we'll find out is if we read the issue. Jumping straight in. should say, listeners, if you're reading along, this has been reprinted in various JLA Omnibus trade paperbacks and issue 11 of DC Special Blue Ribbon Digest. If you have one to hand, join in. An opening caption says, Continuing the mind-staggering anniversary adventure of the Justice League of America. And an opening splash image shows, similar to the cover actually, shows heroes trying to free the Earth from the grip of the giant pale green hand. We can see Green Lantern, we can see Johnny's Thunderbolt, we see Doctor Fate, we see Starman, Wonder Woman, Superman, all getting stuck in, Hawkman too. Down the left side of the page... There's a caption that reads, From nowhere it came, this monstrous claw of nebula energy, this colossal fist holding the Earth in a grip of terror, defying the most powerful heroes of two worlds. Also in this main central image, the blonde-haired, blue, sparkle-eyed image of Oracle looms over the heroes fighting to rescue Earth from the, the grip of the hand, and he booms. 
harder, heroes, even harder, for time is running out. Unless you triumph soon, your world most surely is doomed. I can't wait for this this scene of all the heroes. The heroes who appear to have grown to a giant size, quite frankly. True, yes. Wrestling these fingers apart, prizing these fingers away from the earth. I can't wait for that moment. It's going to be Mm. exciting. The captioning continues on the right side of the page. Can even the combined might of the Justice League and Justice Society be enough to stop the the hand hand that shook shook the the world? And the rest of the captioning tells us this story was brought to us by Len Wein, writer, Dick Dillon and Joe Giella artists, Julius Schwartz, editor. And so, into the story properly, the first caption on page one reads, Time. The eternal enigma passes with depressing slowness in the secluded sanctuary of the Justice Society of America as a solitary figure sits and waits. We see Diana Prince, the former Wonder Woman of Earth-1, sat at a table looking up at a large clock on the wall. She says, Ah, since they all vanished into the past, and not a word. I've chosen the hardest task for myself. Waiting. The waiting, of course, being the name of the best song on Tom Petty's Hard Promises album. A voice from off-camera says, An intruder in our secret headquarters. And in panel two... Diana turns to see three new arrivals. She exclaims, Who in... Oh, Green Lantern, Mr. Terrific. You startled me. And the figure in grey says, Introduce me, fellas. And Green Lantern says, Robin, meet Diana Prince, the Wonder Woman of Earth One. Your Green Lantern told me the loss of your superpowers, Diana. I'm sorry. So am I. But that doesn't explain what she's doing here. Our world's in mortal danger and the entire JSA is gone. He's right, Diana. Where is everybody? That, friends, is a long story. Follow me and see for yourselves. Diana takes them to Dr. Fate's mystic crystal ball and shows the three newly arrived JSA members its image of that familiar monument. Diana says, This is the grave of the unknown soldier of victory, hidden deep in the Himalayas. Dr. Fate discovered it while seeking to overcome the hand that holds the earth. What does the grave signify? Says Mr. Terrific. That's what the others also wanted to know. And the next two panels have rippled borders to signify flashbacks, as we've become used to, as Diana narrates. And so Dr. Fate, Zatanna, and Johnny Thunder's mystic thunderbolt combined their powers to summon the cosmic seer Oracle. Oracle revealed the grave was a result of a tremendous battle that had occurred there years before. A battle between the titanic Nebula Man and the Seven Soldiers of Victory. And after we're shown these events, we cut back to GSAHQ as Robin says, Who in blazes are the seven soldiers of victory? I never heard of them. Green Lantern looks thoughtful and says, I'm older than you are, Robin, but I'll be darned if I can remember them either. And Mr. Trevick puts a hand to his head and concentrates and says, What's wrong with our memories? Absolutely nothing, replies Diana before continuing. Nobody on Earth remembers the Seven Soldiers, because a time warp created by the Nebula Man's destruction hurled them back through the ages. Green Arrow and Speedy, the Shining Knight, the Crimson Avenger, the Star-Spangled Kid and Stripesy, and the Vigilante no longer exist in your world. But only these seven know the way to destroy the Galactic Hand. And another rippled flashback panel shows Oracle sending the other heroes off on their mission as Diana watches. That's why Oracle sent the combined forces of the Justice League and Justice Society through time in search of them, leaving me behind to brief others, such as you. And the final panel of page three shows Green Lantern looking into Dr. Fate's crystal ball, which now shows the image of Earth in the hold of the giant hand, as Green Lantern says, 
then the fate of the Earth rests in the hands of our colleagues. And there isn't a blasted thing we can do to help. Over the page, top of page four, a caption reads, Even as Green Lantern speaks, three of those daring defenders have been thrust back into the realm of reality. And we get logos for Superman, Sandman, and Metamorpho, the Element Man. This is the most random team. You know, I want an ongoing series with the three of these guys. You know, I mean, do you, remember, you know, it's like the champions or some of the defenders lineups. It's just so yeah. random. It's glorious. Super buddies. Yeah. Anyway, three heroes flash into existence. Standing in a rocky outcrop overlooking some apparently old Chinese looking buildings. A crescent moon hangs in the sky. Take a small drink. As Metamorpho says, Wow, Oracle sure has some delivery service. And off panel, a voice says, Aye, praise Buddha. He sends warriors to defend us. Superman whirls and says, An old Chinese monk. Seems we've been expected. Tell me, Ancient One, why do you need warriors to protect you? And we see this elderly man, nice little chin beard and purple hooded robe, and he replies, Come, please, while this humble one explains as best he can. And he takes him inside one of the buildings where we see massive statues of a dragon and presumably Buddha and... These are being guarded by warriors with shields, spears, swords, etc. The monk says, Within these poor chambers rests the heritage of my people. All the beauty and heritage of our past, hidden away from the eyes of the invaders. Until now. And Metamorpho says, I get it. They're after this museum of yours. Who are these invaders? The monk gestures out into the night and says, They are as many as the leaves of the forest. Once their leader was called Temujin, but now they call him the Universal Ruler, Genghis Khan. He continues into the first panel of page five, saying, His legions are led by an armoured god and a winged horse. Nothing can stand against them. To which the Sandman says, Armoured man? Winged horse? Sounds like the Shining Knight. Superman scratches his head and says, It does seem impossible, yet I wonder... No need to wonder, Soups, when we can find out for certain. Nobody's going to notice a helium breeze drifting through their camp, so I can check out old Kingus's army. And at that, the Element Man transforms into a cloud and flies out the window. Awesome. Captured for panel three. Mere minutes later. That crescent moon is still lingering. Hangs in the background as we see the warrior king, Genghis Khan, striding along with one of his acolytes beside him. Genghis is saying... The armored one is still at my command, shaman. Your fiery gaze has seared him to the soul. You have served me well. Metamorpho resumes his human form in the background as the acolyte replies, I live for nothing else, great Khan. Genghis and his pal keep walking, as the Khan says, And that is as it should be. Come, we must prepare for tomorrow's onslaught. As they vanish into the distance, Metamorpho thinks to himself, Then I'd better snatch our knight errant out of here tonight. And by here, he means the tent that he's standing next to. At that, he transforms his arm into a blade and slices a hole in the side of the tent as he continues to think, All it takes is a stainless steel sword to provide a quick entrance, and... In the final panel, he steps through the gap he's created and sees the shining knight sat up in bed. Sir Justin, you don't know me, but I'm a friend, and I'm here to help you escape. Justin starts to pull his sword, saying, What? Intruder! Violet! No one may disturb the chambers of my liege Khan, and live to tell the tale. First panel of page six, as the knight lunges for Metamorpho with his sword, the element man makes another shift, changing to a yellow gas. 
Sounds! What foul wizardry is this? The creature doth evade my every thrust. Tis as, as elusive as the wind. A metamorpho says, Or fluorine gas, to be more precise, Prince Charming. And he thinks, Now, either I pull a quick fade, or I end up so much scrap metal. A slow dissolve. And so? Superman, Sandman, and the old monk stand and listen, as a seated metamorpho reports back. That's the setup, chums. Khan's witchman has hoodooed Sir Justin into playing figurehead for his army. And as long as the knight keeps slinging that sword of his, we can't get close enough to cure him. Superman gets a panel as he looks out into the night and says, In that case, Element Man, we'll let him come to us. Tomorrow morning, when the Mongols mount their attack, we'll be waiting. Another slow dissolve, the caption for the final panel of page six. When the first fingers of dawn stab at the sky, three strangely garbed men wait alone to meet an awesome army. I'm definitely going to try and recreate this panel with action figures <laughs> once we finish recording. Superman, Sandman, the Metamorpho stand and watch the Khan's army approach, throwing out a massive cloud of dust behind them. Here they come. Outnumbering us 5,000 to 1, says Superman. Metamorpho adds, You're doing wonders for my morale, Superman. This is positively the last time I let you volunteer me for anything. And in the first panel of page 7, Sandman replies, You volunteered yourself, Element Man! And with no regrets, either we stand and fight, or the heritage of a people falls shattered in the dust. You might not have to fight at all, friends. I'll be right back, says Superman, as he takes to the air. We can see in the background the army is getting closer, with Sir Justin and Wing Victory flying in the air above them. In panel 2, the shining knight yells, Onward, my fellows, for your noble liege. Victory shall be ours. I wouldn't bet on that, Sir Justin, says Superman off-panel as he flies towards the knight who then replies to him, So, mine enemies do send another strange creature to destroy me. Like the other, it shall go down in defeat. That remains to be seen, Sir Knight. Have at thee, says Superman, and then he thinks, If I can beat the Shining Knight, I might rout the Mongols as well. But as the two champions meet in combat... With a thwack, Sir Justin strikes Superman with a sword. <laughs> Superman falls backwards, thinking, Ugh, No chance. Sir Justin's powers are magical in origin. He recovers and banks into the air in the next panel, flies off, continuing to think. Hate to use that old discretion line, but right now it seems the sensible thing to do. Justin watches them go, and down the ground, Genghis also watches them go and yells to his army, Observe, my brethren, thus will your winged god vanquish all who oppose us. Onward to victory. And instants later, at the top of page 8, Sandman and Metamorpho whirl as they see the Man of Steel flying towards them. Sandman says, Superman, what happened out there? No time to talk. You two hold off Khan and his crew for a while. I've got something important to attend to. Which Metamorpho says, Huh? You gotta be kidding! In panel two, as the army approaches, Superman flies off again as Metamorpho transforms his lower quarters into a tank. Sandman jumps onto the back of him saying, Your Superman takes a lot for granted, Metamorpho. Yeah, you know how it is with those establishment types. Still, if we're going to take on an army, I'd feel a lot better doing it as a cobalt tank. Come on, Sandman, climb aboard. Panel 3 leads with a caption. Like a great tide of savage humanity, the Mongol horde surges onward, drawing ever closer to the transformed Metamorpho and his cloaked passenger. But, surprisingly... On horseback, Genghis Khan cries, We drive our horses into the ground with running, and yet that accursed village remains ever beyond our grasp. By the gods, why? 
and in an inset panel, there's dialogue between Metamorpho and Sandman. Cannon shells are finished, Sandman. But if that sleep gas formula you gave me is incorrect... It's correct, Element Man. I guarantee it. Now adjust your cannon and get those spare atoms of yours working. Ready? Aim! Fire! And a series of massive explosions go off amongst the approaching hordes, dispensing large clouds of gas. Top of page nine, caption reads, And when the smoke of battle has cleared... Wesley and Rex stand amongst the sleeping army. Sandman says, This crowd will be out for hours. Looks like we saved that village. Saved what village, Sandman? Take a look and tell me how an entire hill vanishes. And off panel, Superman says, No big trick, Element Man. I moved it. He alights in panel two as Metamorpho scratches his head and says, Superman! So that's what was so important. Exactly. Rather than take the chance the Mongols might get past us, I moved the entire hillside to a place where they'll never find it. We see that Salman is tending to Sir Justin at this point. Superman goes on to say, I see you've got things well in hand here. In panel three, Salman has helped the Shining Knight to his feet, saying, As well as can be expected. The antidote I gave Sir Justin and his steed is taking effect. Soon he's back to normal. We'll leave here. Metamorpho looks aghast and asks, Yeah? How? In the next panel, Superman and Metamorpho take the Shining Knight's weight between them. Superman says in reply to Metamorpho, Now that our task is complete, I bet Oracle knows about it, and will be sending for us. To which the Sandman says, In that case, hold Sir Justin! There's something I want to do. And Sandman approaches the sleeping Genghis Khan. Interesting. Moments later... As the heroes in Winged Victory are being borne aloft into the void, Metamorpho says, You pegged it, Superman. Oracle's pickup service is as good as his delivery. Wonder what Sandman did to old Genghis. Something I haven't done in years. And believe me, it felt good. And we cut back to Genghis Khan. Still out for the count in the Land of Nod, and with a piece of paper pinned to his chest that reads, There is no land beyond the law where tyrants rule with unshakable power. It's but a dream from which the evil wake to face their fate, their terrifying hour, and it's signed, The Sandman. Meanwhile, through the centuries, in Justice Society headquarters... We see Diana Prince, the former Wonder Woman of Earth One, Mr. Terrific and Robin watch a frustrated Green Lantern Alan Scott punch the wall, saying, Enough! This sitting on my hands is driving me crazy. There must be some action to take, and I've figured out what it is. Robin asks him, How about letting us in on the secret, GL? Green Lantern makes for the door, saying, The grave of the unknown soldier. Somebody must have put it there, and I'm heading for the Himalayas to find out who. Robin gets to his feet and says, Not without us, you ain't, GL. And Mr. Terrific looks back at the former Wonder Woman, saying, Hate to leave you in the lurch again, Diana. Keep minding the store. And within minutes... Green Lantern has very kindly conjured a nice comfortable-looking couch for Robin and Mr. Terrific to sit on as he flies through the sky. Mr. Terrific is saying, How dark the sky is, almost as if it resents that ghastly hand intruding into its space. To which GL says, I sense more than phantom fingers in the air, Mr. Terrific. More like an... But Robin interrupts. Earthquake! You never told me you were psychic, GL. Far from it, Robin. I just... Great Scott! Those kids! And we see a boy and a girl in danger. They're on the ground as the earth splits open in front of them. Lightning reflexes snap into action and... Green Lantern creates a new structure, allowing Robin and Mr. Terrific to swing on their own individual trapeze and catch the kids before they fall into the chasm. Robin says... Got him, with nothing to spare. 
Jail's power ring saves the day again. The day's not over yet, Robin. Tiny Caption says that we are continued on the second page following. Pass full page advertisement for patches and stuff. Oh gosh. Flash Gordon, one I hadn't noticed there before. Popeye, Felix the Cat. Caution Budweiser powered. Help, I need loving. Don't we all? <laughs> nice gas mask one there, given that we've just had the Sandman. That's pretty cool. Woodstock. Fantastic, yep. yes. And there's an ank. Where? Oh, so there is. Yes. Ooh. Which, funnily enough, we haven't seen Dr. Fate use no. yet. No. That, that can't be far mm. off now at this point. Maybe Dr. Fate saw this this advert and was inspired to That's start possible. using anks in his imagery. That is possible. Who knows? Interesting. Let's know what do you think. Right in and let us know. Yeah. Hmm. We arrive at the top of page 11 now. A tiny caption says... The crisp morning air crackles furiously as three lithe figures materialise in the heart of a fertile forest. Pink burst of energy in the sky, and the Hawkman of Earth 1 and Earth 2's Wonder Woman and Dr. Midnight land on the grassy ground. Dr. Midnight says... Astounding! One moment we're nowhere, and the next moment we're here! Question is, where is here? And Wonder Woman replies... From our surroundings, Doctor, I'd say it's the English countryside. A wide-eyed and smiling Hawkman says in panel two, Hey, people, take a deep breath. The air is so fresh, so clean. I haven't tasted anything like it since I left my native planet Thanagar. To which Dr. Midnight says, Apparently, Hawkman, pollution hasn't been invented yet. The atmosphere is so pure, it's making me light-headed. Suddenly, the evergreen calm is shattered by the shrill cry of countless goose-fletched shafts as they whistle from the underbrush, heralding death for the three courageous crusaders who have come to this strange place. And we get logos for Hawkman, Wonder Woman and Dr. Midnight, who are suddenly being barraged by arrows. So the heroes try to avoid this. One of Hawkman's wings is pierced and he says, Hunt cover, Midnight, or you're liable to end up beheaded! Wonder Woman cries, Shades of Pluto! Someone is using us for targets. It appears we found our man. Maybe not, Princess. I can see several men out there, and they look like they're out for blood. There's been a shift in point of view at this panel, showing the men in green who are firing on our heroes. Wonder Woman says, Well, they won't get any of mine if I can help it, and I can help it. Instantly, the agile Wonder Woman, beautiful as Aphrodite, wise as Athena, swifter than Mercury and stronger than Hercules, leaps from concealment. And... Bracelets raised. Wonder Woman starts deflecting the arrows, saying, Gentlemen, if you'll follow me, it's time we brought the battle to the enemy. Hawkman takes to the air behind as Dr. Midnight rushes along and Hawkman says, Right behind you, princess. In panel three, Hawkman is furiously beating his wings at the bowman, saying, If this doesn't flush out, those bloodthirsty bowmen, nothing will. I'm beating my wings hard enough to start a small hurricane. To which Dr. Midnight says, That's it, Hawkman. Keep him flying. Yes, we see the bowman cowering in terror. Dr. Midnight gets properly stuck in the next panel, flipping one man over his shoulder as he says, Just as I thought. These minor league archers don't know the first thing about jiu-jitsu. Without those longbows, there's so much dead wood. Within moments, as abruptly as it had begun, the conflict is over. One of the men in green, we get a good look at him here with his feathered cap and a quiver on his back and his nice neat beard and stuff. He speaks, saying, Hold, strange ones. We surrender. For now. You can tell the Sheriff of Nottingham he's won the battle, but he's yet to win the war. Wonder Woman whirls to look at him, saying, Suffering Sappho, I think we've made a mistake. Good Bowman, we are not agents of your sheriff. Our mission here is a peaceful one. 
We fought only because we were attacked, she says as she walks towards him. She's taking her lasso away from the, the bowman as she does so. Tall man in green replies, You're releasing us? Then what you say is truth. Tell me, how can the merry men serve? And after Hawkman has described the one they seek... Little John, for it is he, Little John of Robin Hood's Merry Men, because this, this is who Tall Chap is, and it's a long time before he actually tells this, but the, you know, <laughs> so that you're on, on board, listeners, that's who it is. Little John replies, I am sorry we cannot help you, strange ones, but we know not any green arrow. Perhaps Robin Hood could help you were he here, for he knows all who bend their bows in Nottinghamshire, but the sheriff is hanging brave Robin on the morrow. Dr. Midnight steps forward, puts a hand on Little John's shoulder and really get a good sense here of how tall Little John actually is. Dr. Midnight looks up at him and says, Hanging Robin Hood? Isn't there anything you can do to stop it? And John looks sad as he replies, Would there were. The merry men and I shall lay siege to Nottingham Castle ere the dawn. But tis only a futile gesture. Good Robin shall sway in the breeze ere we can breach those walls. Perhaps that was true before, Little John. But not anymore. We're going to help you storm that castle. And there isn't a barricade standing that can stop us. And for emphasis, he punches his fist. Fantastic. We passed the two-page advert. 14 LPs for $2.86. Yes. And we arrive at the top of page 14, where a caption reads, Dark it stands and stony-eyed, this angry edifice that juts from the jade-shadowed forest like an accusing finger, this unfeeling fortress that is... Nottingham Castle. We can see sentries patrolling the battlements. The drawbridge is raised. Dr. Midnight, Hawkman, Wonder Woman and the Merry Men hide in the shadows under the trees. Dr. Midnight says, They're not going to make this easy for us, are they? How do we get across that moat with the drawbridge up? It seems moat fording is my department, gentlemen. Wait here till I'm done, and then come running. She's roped the drawbridge and she thinks, Snag the bridge on the first toss. My magic lasso never misses. Now, I pray to Athena that my muscles are equal of my task. She pulls on a lasso and continues to think, After all, if you can't go to the drawbridge, your only recourse is to bring the drawbridge to you. The drawbridge slams down. Dr. Midnight and the others have moved forward with Hawkman saying, Fantastic! She did it! Come on, we can't let our efforts go to waste. But as the brave band moves across the fallen walkway... Soldiers run out from the castle. Dr. Midnight notes, Uh-oh, we have company, and I don't think they want trespassers. And Hawkman says to one of the merry men, Lend me your staff, friend. I'd better teach the local welcome wagon a lesson in hospitality. Pinions pounding, the feathered fury hurtles into the midst of the angry throng with devastating results. Yeah, Hawkman rams the soldiers with the staff, knocking them all flying. He yells, Midnight, Wonder Woman, the rest of you, get into that castle and scatter. If we don't find Robin Hood quickly, we're liable to swing right alongside them in the morning. And minutes later, in one of the castle's deepest corridors... Dr. Midnight has found a cell being guarded by two soldiers. He thinks to himself... Jackpot! Unless those guards are standing there for decoration, I've located my man. Once my handy blackout bomb throws a little dark on the subject, I'll see what I can do to spring him. A faint hiss as the blackout bomb hits, and the corridor is filled with clouds of billowing black. An excellent panel of a shrouded Dr. Midnight knocking out the guards as he thinks. My blind eyes can see as perfectly in the darkness as my infrared lenses help me to do in the light. 
But my two playmates aren't quite as lucky. Within moments, the cell door squeals open to reveal... A familiar figure in a green outfit with a feather in his cap. Dr. Midnight exclaims, Green Arrow? What are you doing here in Robin Hood's place? Dr. Midnight, am I glad to see you. I'll explain everything as soon as we can get away from this rat hole. Dr. Midnight and Green Arrow emerge from the cell to find soldiers coming towards them. Oops, looks like reinforcements have arrived. I'd better grab another blackout bomb. Green Arrow grabs his bow and quiver and says, Save it, Doc. This one's on me. Those crumbs shouldn't have left my gear where I can get my hands on them. In one blurring motion, the ace archer pulls a shaft from his quiver, notches it, and lets it fly. The old net arrow hasn't failed me yet. The guards won't unravel themselves for days. Indeed, the net is cast over the soldiers, trapping them. They move off in the next panel, leaving the soldiers to try and free themselves. As Dr Midnight says, If that arrow ever does fail you, GA, you won't be alive to know it. Come on, let's collect the others and get out of here. The others? Lead on, Doc. Now you've got me interested. And after the valiant group has battled its way out of the castle... Rather alarmingly, we see the castle on fire in the background. Yes. There is still a castle in Nottingham. I did check that. Hmm. Anyway, little John addresses the four heroes, saying... It seems we risked our lives to save the wrong man. Tell us, knave, what knowest thou of Robin Hood? Green Arrow gets a nice close-up as he replies... Your leader is safe, little John, recovering from wounds in the lodgings of a friendly friar. I drove off his attackers and Robin asked me to take his place. I was coming to inform you men when the sheriff captured me. Then our gratitude is yours, Green Arrow. We... What sorcery is this? You fade away before our very eyes. And sure enough, the heroes are suddenly engulfed in a cloud of smoke as Green Arrow says... You're not the only one wondering, little John. What is happening? To which one the woman says... Our mission here is accomplished. Oracle is bringing us home. And Green Arrow waves goodbye to his fellow emerald-clad warrior. How long do you think Green Arrow was in Nottingham? Because he certainly picked up the accent. He did. Maybe he quite liked it. We will talk about this further when we do a, a recap discussion <laughs> episode. But he must have been here for ages to start to sound so native. Mm. Anyway, we now arrive at the top of page 17. A nice caption box with a drawing of some calendar pages reads... And once more, centuries ahead. And we see the Iron Hand, we've not seen since the end of the last issue, watching Green Lantern, Mr. Terrific and Robin rescue the children in the Himalayas on a large video screen. Green Lantern can be heard. And the great nebula-like hand is responsible for this. It started to close. And watching this, the hand says, Indeed it has, Green Lantern. The image on the screen changes to show that of Earth in the grip of the scary cosmic hand. And it shall continue to close crushing this planet into so much cosmic dust, unless total world domination is given me within the next 36 hours. I almost wish the seven soldiers were still alive to witness this day, the day of my ultimate triumph. They thought me dead, destroyed by the same device I had tried to use on them. But they were wrong. And he says this last speech in front of an enormous replica newspaper front page with the headline, Seven Soldiers of Victory Defeat the Criminal Hand. The Iron Hand resumes speaking, saying, I survived. Rather, most of me survived. Ironically, my own hand was hopelessly mangled, forcing me to replace it with this, the mechanical iron hand from which I take my new name. And with his new hand, he blasts and destroys the replica newspaper. But no! The Law's Legionnaires are gone. 
and the Justice Society of America stands in their place to thwart me. But I will not be conquered again, like the seven soldiers of victory before them. The Justice Society must die. We arrive at the top of page 18. An establishing panel of a pyramid and another under construction is captioned. Night does not come easily to the blistering desert, and those who toil endlessly beneath the omnipotent sun know this fact well. Long have they laboured to complete the towering structure that rises from the shifting sands before them. We see a slave being whipped in the background of those toiling to move an enormous stone brick. And many have been the number to perish in the trying, but still they struggle on, the sting of the whip urging them on. If ever they falter, each man produces a full day's work, but there is one who alone does the work of many. And we see Stripesy, our old pal with the amazing hair, the sidekick of the Star Spangle Kid, moving an enormous stone block on his own. And there are three others who have travelled to this antique land in search of that solitary one. The shadows of Khufu's tomb cloak the movements of... And we get logos for Batman, Starman... And our man, yes, the lads are in town. And we see Bruce, Rex and Ted watching Pat at work. Our man speaks first. Looks like we've located our particular soldier. Let's get him the heck out of here. Which Batman says. Not quite yet, our man. It would be better to wait for darkness to fall. And when evening falls... A chain stripesy is talking to his slave master. I keep telling you, fatso. There is no magical secret to my strength. Slave Master replies, Dying wizard, my patience is at an end. My lash will rip the truth from you. As he raises his whip, he's suddenly grabbed by a hand made out of energy, and a voice says, That's a no-no, Fatso. You're liable to bruise the merchandise. Huh? Great Ra! More wizards, they... The Slave Master says before Starman knocks him out with the handle of his own whip. Ooh! Starman manipulates with his cosmic rod. Starman says, Next time pick on someone who doesn't have his hands tied. Batman and our man get stuck into the other slave drivers. A stripes he yells, Starman! Batman! Our man! How did you ever find me here? Which our man replies, We'll explain after we escape, Stripesy. Let's get moving. But before the weakened Stripesy can burst his bonds... One of the slave drivers produces a blade, which he holds to Stripesy's throat. He says, Hold, magicians. One more move and your companion dies. Starman gestures and says, Not if my cosmic rod can help it. But another voice says, Then, wizards, you shall have your magic wand no more. What? And our man helpfully points out, Starman, your cosmic rod... Snared by a whip. Yes, and that's indeed what we see happening. How nice of everyone involved to do that for us. A defeated Starman says, Sorry, Stripesy. Guess turnabout is fair play. No hard feelings, fellas. You did your best, replies Stripesy. And the slave master with the sword says, Enough chatter, wizards. Do you surrender? Or does my blade test his flesh? Which our man says, What choice do we have? You win. One of the slave drivers says, Those who serve the son of the sun always win. The three newly arrived heroes are struck by the Egyptians and all knocked unconscious. The heroes go down with... A slow dissolve. And when the three heroes crawl out of the darkness at last... Our man, Starman and Batman, tied up with ropes, in a small room lit by a flaming torch in the wall. Our man speaks first. My aching head. Where did those dudes drop us anyhow? Unless I miss my guess, we're smack in the centre of the pyramid, our man. In the pharaoh's burial chamber. 
Starman looks exasperated in panel four as he says, I've been trying to bring my cosmic rod to me by mental concentration, but it's too far for me. And our man looks down at the hourglass around his neck, which seems to flash and flare as he says, My superpowered hour is up. How are we going to get out of this? And Batman growls, Give me a minute to think. For a time, the Batman is silent. When suddenly... Batman uses his feet to snatch the hourglass from around our man's neck. Rex cries, What the heck are you doing? I've had that hourglass for years. Better a new timepiece and a new lease in life, our man. Just hang on a second. There. Grab yourself a piece of the broken hourglass and start cutting through your ropes. Right on, Batman, says our man. I'll send you a bill for my egg timer. Moments later... The heroes are all standing, freed from their bonds. Starman says, Done. Now our problem is finding a way out of this joint. As I remember, these tombs were usually built with maze-like passageways to confuse potential looters. And our man says, And does, Starman. I'll take a miracle pill and punches out an exit. Hold it, our man. This place will be an historic treasure someday. No, there has to be a better way. He turns to Ted, saying, Starman, maybe you can't bring your cosmic rod here, but you still control its atoms. You've got to concentrate. Let the cosmic rod show us the way out. I've never attempted it before, but, well, it's worth a try, says Starman. And it's not, I like the detail of our man's face being completely shrouded. Yes, just the hoods. Yeah, I mm. bet he's raging still about his hourglass being broken. <laughs> Fantastic. Above a small drawing of the pyramid exterior, the caption for panel 5 reads, And try the Astral Avenger does. His face contorts into a mask of raw courage and grim determination. Until... Panel 6, we see the sweat on Starman's brow as he concentrates hard. and We see a tendril of golden energy creeping into the room. Our man spots it. Look, the fickle finger of fate, beckoning us. Starman did it! Let's get going, says Batman. Cautiously, three strangely garbed crusaders follow the fleeting energy trail along the twisting passageways, and soon... Yep, as the lads creep towards the entrance to the corridor they're in, Batman says... Easy, team. Looks like we've reached the end of the trail. Starman says... And that much closer to my cosmic rod. Take a drink. A full moon looms in the background of panel two as we see the slave masters having a chat and a bit of a carry-on. Our hero's silhouettes can be seen at the opening of the passageway. Our man says, We've got interference out there. And Starman says, Not for long. I'll show you a little trick. Some mental manipulation of the cosmic rod and presto. And the cosmic rod, which is lying beside the slave masters, starts to glow. Three fists of energy burst from the rod and knock out the slave drivers... Saves a lot of wear and tear on the uniform. Ted reclaims the rod, saying, Let that be a lesson to you, boys. You shouldn't take something that doesn't belong to you. And Batman says, We'd better find Stripesy before his captors do something he'll regret. A slow dissolve. Shortly, the heroes have found Stripesy. And Starman says, Great galaxies, Stripesy. They've hung him out to dry like an animal hide. And we see Pat has been tied by the wrists and ankles to a wooden structure, and he's being harangued by some of the Egyptians. Our man says, then let's hit those guards and skin them. They get stuck into the slave drivers as a delighted Stripesy cries, Batman, Starman, Our Man, you escaped. Naturally, we're the good guys, says Our Man. Keep cool, Stripesy. We'll set you free in a second, says Batman. And Pat gets an inset panel where he says, Not this time, pals. This time, I free myself. And he flexes and snaps his bonds, bringing down the wooden structure at the same time. 
panel three, he says, Now, as I recollect, I owe you bums some bruises. And he proceeds to batter <laughs> the remaining Egyptians with the last piece of the wooden structure that he was tied to. And a battle royale later. The heroes are running off, leaving the Egyptians in a pile on the ground. Stripes, he says, Those lugs were real quitters. Wouldn't get up again after the fourth time I slugged them? <laughs> my, my. I wonder why, says our man. And Starman says, And I wonder how we're getting back to our own time, now that our job here is done. A pink glow starts to surround the heroes, and Batman says, That answers your question, Starman. Oracle has sent for us again. We're going home to 1972. While in that year of 1972... Diana Prince is again watching the clock on the wall as she says... Can't blame Green Lantern, Robin, and Mr. Terrific for taking off again. This waiting is enough to drive you out of your skull. It wouldn't be so bad if I had some company, someone to talk to. But this waiting alone is liable to kill me. And, lurking behind her, unseen by Diana, is a shadowy figure with a glinting iron hand. The concluding caption of JLA 101 says, Next issue, and one of us must die. And another recaption says, Next issue on sale on or about August 17th. And that's it, listeners. That's the end of part two. So far, four members of the Seven Soldiers of Victory have been recovered. But Diana Prince is in danger. What an exciting cliffhanger. Absolutely. Yes, and we're going to leave you on that cliffhanger. But we will be back next week with the conclusion of this exciting three-parter. In the meantime, make sure you check out our socials. We are the Earth 2 Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Podcast underscore Earth 2 on Twitter. We'll be adding all the usual bonus features, covers, foreign reprints, original art, panels from the story, just to keep you tidied over until we reach the exciting conclusion next week. And on that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you very soon on The Earth 2 Podcast. You have been listening to... Green Lantern of Earth 2 was played by Brandon Peters. Diana Prince of Earth 1 was played by Christine Panton. The Shining Knight was played by Dan Butcher. Earth 2 Robin was played by Jonathan Horner. Genghis Khan was played by Mick Pride. Doctor Midnight was played by Kenny Smith. The Sandman was played by Rich Fulham. Starman was played by Ross Aitken. Metamorpho was played by the irredeemable Shag. Stripesy was played by Steve Higgins. The Earth 2 Green Arrow was played by Tony Esmond. And Little John was played by Vince Hunt. Batman, Hawkman and Oracle were played by Peter Watson. Superman, Hourman, The Iron Hand, Earth 2 Wonder Woman and Mr Terrific were played by David Steele. All other parts were played by your hosts. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Lend me your staff, friend. I'd better teach the local welcome wagon a lesson in hospitality. Hospitality? <laughs> Come on, that's easy. I know, I know, I know. <clears throat> have, you, have you been rehearsing? <laughs> Lend me your staff, friend. I'd better teach the local welcome wagon a lesson. <laughs> You've made me laugh now. Lend me your staff, friend. I'd better teach the local welcome mag...